Good morning and welcome to uh, Renovation Vineyard Church. <clears throat> and that is the power of forgiveness. And the power of forgiveness is the title of our series that we started last week that will continue right into, uh, right into June, probably through the end of June, about eight weeks worth. Last week we opened up with uh, finding forgiveness. I realized that uh, I wasn't thinking real straight, and I should have put on your handout finding the Father's forgiveness. So when I copied it and pasted it this week, I left out the Father's forgiveness again. So at the top of your uh, handout, if you'd like to put week two, finding the Father's forgiveness. This is the first installment because that's the ultimate forgiveness. Uh, as we talked about last week, if we, if we haven't found the Father's forgiveness, there's really no hope for any other forgiveness to take place. So let's open with a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you. We do thank you that you had a plan for offering to us forgiveness through your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that that plan is complete. We thank you that all we have to do is accept it. We thank you that you have called us here today from many different places, from many different backgrounds, spiritually and emotionally. Called us here to worship you. You are the object of our praise. Thank you for allowing us to praise you today. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> I need to recap from last week very quickly, if you will uh, bear with me, because some of the people were not here last week. And we'll go through this as quickly as we can. I have filled in some of the blanks for you on the front side of your handout. Uh, but I want to get to the gist of, of where we're going for today. We're, we're looking at the uh, parable of the prodigal son, the lost son. It's found in Luke 15. And I want to read first for you verses 11 through 17 from the New Living Translation. Listen to God's Word. Verse 11, Luke chapter 15. Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Verse 17, When he finally came to his senses... He said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. 
and here I am dying of hunger. It seems that no one wants to admit that they need forgiveness. None of us. Yet forgiveness is a universal need that we have, that the whole world has. There's something you see inside of us that cries out to be forgiven and to give forgiveness. And there's something innate in each one of us that wants us to receive forgiveness from our Creator. Now, on the other hand, unforgiveness will hold us in bondage and it will lead to things like bitterness and division and fear and disappointment and unhappiness and a sense of abandonment. Without forgiveness, there is no hope at all of reconciliation. Reconciliation between us and other people, reconciliation between us and God. So the big idea for last week and this week is this. Finding the Father's... I forgot to put that on your screen. Oh, I do have it up there. Finding the Father's forgiveness is the key to finding power for living. Finding the Father's forgiveness is the key to finding power for living. So to find the Father's forgiveness, I have to, in the first place, this was from last week, I have to recognize that I need God. Some of us don't even realize we need God. I gave you a definition for a prodigal. A prodigal is a, a, a person, someone who leaves a better way of life for a lesser way of life. But upon returning, he regains the better way of life back. In many cases, even better than it was before. Verse 17 says, When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home... Even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying. He recognized that he had, to, had settled for something less than the very best that God had for him. And that's the way that Satan works. He, that's the way he works in all of our lives. I told you last week I think Satan only has two arrows in his quiver. One is doubt and the other arrow is good. Doubt is what he wants us to do with this book. He wants us to doubt whether it's true or not. Does it really, did God really mean what he said in this book? Can we take him at his word? And the other arrow is good. See, Satan can fill up our lives with good things. Good things family, jobs, uh, uh, hobbies, uh, sporting events, uh, um, uh, church, all sorts of different things that, that are good, are good for us, good for others around us. But God wants the best for us. He wants the best for each of you. And when we fill up our lives with good, we often miss the best that he has. At first, the prodigal son enjoyed this lavish lifestyle. He had money to burn. But when his daddy's money ran out, he finds himself in the pigsty. And the pigsty, I said last week, is an analogy for the willingness to settle for anything less than God's absolute best. God sometimes allows us to get into that pigsty 
We find ourselves in that pigsty. Addictions, adultery, atheism, apathy. We could go on with a long list. Then notice, what did he begin to think about? Where was his attention when he came to his senses? He began to think about home. He began to think about what he had lost by leaving his father. Now, for you and me, that means we begin to turn toward our Heavenly Father. We begin to realize that some of us have turned our backs on our Heavenly Father, on the God who loves us. We need to experience His forgiveness so that we can move forward and discover or rediscover that best life that He has for us. And to recognize God's forgiveness means that you and I must admit that we've gone our own way, that we've done our own thing. And God has a word for that. When you go your own way and do your own thing, He calls it sin. Long before you made the decision to come in here today, God took the first step toward coming to you. Because God knows you better than you know yourselves. And because God wants a relationship with you more than you want a relationship with God. So God took the ultimate step of sending His Son Jesus to this earth to live, to die, to be raised again from the dead so that He could show you and He could show me I've done all that's necessary for you to come home. I've already done it. And the first part of that famous verse, John 3.16, says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. That's His plan. To find the Father's uh, forgiveness... I have to recognize, first of all, that I need God. Secondly, I have to return home to God. I have to return home to God. You see, just recognizing that I need God by itself isn't enough. That doesn't get you there. I have to take action. I have to return home to God. But in our story, notice that the Father doesn't force the son to stay at home, even though he knows that leaving home is a bad idea for the son. And when the son gets in trouble in a foreign land, the father doesn't chase after him and force him to come on back home. The decision to return home is the son's decision to make. The father can't make that decision for him. You see, God loves you God loves me way too much to take your freedom away. Just as you have the freedom to choose to turn your back on God and go your own way, you also have the freedom to choose to return home and to come back to God. It's your choice. And God won't make that choice for you. In this short story, the hero is eating with pigs, and he makes his decision. He says in verse 18, I will go home to my father and say, 
Father, I have sinned against heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. You might want to circle that word that I've underlined there, home, home. Home is the place, you see, where the son belongs. Home is the only place where he is really happy. Home is the place where you and I should be. And notice what the son's first step home is. His first step toward going home is to admit that he had sinned, to agree with God that he had sinned, to agree with his father that he had sinned against heaven and against his father. The son realized that he could return home, but before he does, he must realize that it was wrong to leave home in the first place. And he has to ask forgiveness for that. You see, this story, and and indeed our lives, are about a spiritual journey, a journey that we take home. In this story and in, in our lives as well, Our home is with God. It's in a relationship with God. We were created to have a relationship with God. It's where we should be. And just as the son chose to turn his back on his father and leave home, we decide to turn our backs on our God and go our own way. by doing things that we know we should not have done and by doing the things that he has told us to do and we didn't do them. That's called sin. And that sin severs and separates us from God. It hinders our relationship with God. And the only solution to that separation is for us to decide to return home. And for us to look at our lives and say, as the prodigal son said, this is stupid. This is absolutely stupid. It's stupid for me to live my life this way, apart from God. I'm not happy. I'm dealing with an emptiness in my life. I'm dealing with loneliness. I'm dealing with a lack of purpose in my life. And I know if I were living life with God, I would have a much better life than this. It has to be better with God. All we have to do is admit to ourselves and to God that we have turned our backs on God, and then we ask God for forgiveness. It's that simple. That's the one step we have to take to return home. Now, maybe you're here today and you feel lost. Maybe you are lost today because you did turn your back on God and you strayed from where you're supposed to be in your relationship with Him. But hear me. Hear me. All you have to do is to ask for forgiveness. That's the one step 
that you have to make to return home. The problem is, all of us think that this journey back to God is, is difficult. It's burdensome. It takes a long time. Well, here's the truth. The journey back to God is not a long one. It's only one step. Sometimes we think we have to be perfect. But you don't have to be perfect before you come back to God. You don't have to get rid of all the sin in your life first before you come back to God. You don't have to overcome all of your addictions before you come back to God. You don't have to have some supernatural revelation from God. You don't even have to have a warm, fuzzy feeling inside to come back home to Him. All you have to do is take that one step and ask Him for forgiveness. One step, just one step. One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And if you take that one step toward God... The Bible says that God will cover the rest. Cover the rest of the distance for you. He'll make it easy. You see, it's, it's not a leap of faith, but a step. One step in faith. Not based on feelings, but based on facts that we find right here in this book. Now, I admit that I am an Indiana Jones junkie. And in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, he, along with the entire Third Reich, it seems, is trying to find the Holy Grail, the goblet that Jesus used at the Last Supper. And to save the life of his dad, played by Sean Connery, Indiana Jones has to move quickly through a booby-trapped maze. And then he comes face to face with the lion's head, an impossible crossing to the other side, where the Holy Grail must be. Watch again as he takes one step of faith. Watch Indiana Jones. <laughs>
So you see, it was just one step based on the facts found in the book. Your way back home is one step based on the facts found in this book. On the back side of your handout, there's another big mistake I made. I don't know where my mind was last week when I did. Well, I do. I do. I was sick. Um, it's not resurrection. Scratch out resurrection in both places and put forgiveness. Hmm. I don't know what I was thinking about. Forgiveness is not about our overcoming our sins so that we can be with God. Forgiveness is about God's overcoming our sin so that He can be with us. How simple, yet how profound. Forgiveness is not about our overcoming our sin so that we can be with Him. Forgiveness is about the work that God's done, His overcoming our sin, so that He can be with us. And here's the point. God's reaching out to you. No matter what your life is like, no matter what you've done, no matter how far you've traveled from God or who you are or where you're from, God is still reaching out for you. No pit is too deep that God's love isn't deeper yet. And it's never too late to turn back to God. Maybe today is the day that you need to take that step, that step back to God, and ask for His forgiveness. That step toward coming home, toward receiving the best. Remember, God's already taken the biggest step toward you. That's the power of forgiveness. We all have to believe. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. And the next part, how about reading this out loud with me? So that everyone who believes in Him... Hmm. Who is the Him? To find the Father's forgiveness, I have to, in the third place, receive God's forgiveness through Christ. You see, Jesus Christ is the hymn. Jesus Christ is the clear path back to God. And when you receive God's forgiveness through him, through Jesus, God treats you like his son. The son returns home, the prodigal son returns home, and the Bible says in verse 20, And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son and gave him a big lecture and told him how stupid he was. That's not what it says, does it? It says, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. What a welcome home. What a welcome home that is. When you make the decision to return to God, you should know this. Hear this. God is not mad at you. God is not mad at you. Like the Father in our story, God runs to you. 
He opens his arms and welcomes you back. And you may say, but I turned my back on God. Hear me. God is not mad at you. Doesn't matter what you've done. Yes, the son admits that he's done wrong. But the father is not mad at him. The father receives him and welcomes him back. Even more so does your heavenly father welcome you home. And notice what the loving father did. He did more than just say it. He began to take action. Verse 22 says this, The father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now, has, and now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Let's party. The four words that are underlined there in your notes I think are important for us to take a look at first. The father gives the son the finest robe. The robe was a symbol of honor. It was to say, welcome home, yes. But it also said, I am honored to have you in my house. He kills the fattest calf for the feast. In those days, you would save the fattest cask for the calf for the best feast possible. And the father throws the best celebration, welcoming his son home. He gives him sandals for his feet. Now, that doesn't, that doesn't say much in today's modern America, I guess, where we all have shoes, a closet full of them. But in those days, if you were a slave, you were barefoot. So he's saying to his son, you're not returning as a slave, but you're returning as my son. And he gives him shoes. He gives him a ring. The ring is a symbol that the heritage between the father and the son has not been broken. In our day, we might call it power of attorney. And he has returned back to all the benefits that were his, even though he left the best life for something less. The father restored him fully and gave him all the benefits. And it's amazing, but that's how God treats you and treats me as well. When you recognize your need for him and when you return home to him and when you receive his forgiveness through Jesus Christ, he gives you all the benefits of being his son. It's as if you've lost nothing and you can return home. Now, a lot of people misunderstand what it means to receive forgiveness and to get eternal life. Look back at John 3.16 one more time. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son so that everyone that believes in him, look, will not perish but have eternal life. You might want to circle those words, eternal life. That's a summary of the benefits that you're going to receive. 
You see, when some people think of eternal life, they think of a never-ending life. But this is talking about more than just a life that never ends. It's talking about a life that begins now and continues on and on and on and on in heaven. You see, this phrase, eternal life, has afterlife consequences. But it also has consequences for the here and now. Because eternal life is more than just a quantity of life after you die. It's also something about the quality of the life that we live here and now, beginning today. And Jesus says, I come to give you life and that more abundantly. Eternal life implies that when you return to God and you receive forgiveness through Christ, you get the very best life possible. A life that's better than you could ever dream or imagine. God picks up that etch-a-sketch, your etch-a-sketch, with all your mess and garbage on it. He turns it upside down and shakes that baby clean. Absolutely clean. And he welcomes you back. And he offers you this forgiveness. And he gives you the gifts that are worthy only of his son. That's the power of ultimate forgiveness. So I would ask, are you ready to make that decision today? To receive God's forgiveness? Maybe, just maybe, today you're going to decide to return home to God. To receive God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ. That's what being a Christ follower is all about. And I hope today that you will decide. I hope today you can make that decision. As a matter of fact, let me pray with you. I tell you, if any of you would like to make that decision, you're welcome to come up here with me at the front. It's not necessary, but it does say I'm serious about this. Pray something in your heart like this. God, I am sorry for the things that I have done that I know I should not have done. And as I say those words, you begin to think about those things in your life that you've done, that you know you should not have done. God, I'm also sorry for the things that you have told me to do in your word, in our prayer time, in our quiet time. You've told me to do, but I have not done. For whatever reason, I'm too busy. I've got better things to do. I want to put this off. I don't need to do it today. I'll wait until tomorrow. Admit, agree with God. 
that you have done those things and ask for his forgiveness God I'm sorry please forgive me and Jesus thank you thank you for coming to this earth to live a life that was perfect as an example for us to die a torturous death to be buried to be raised again proving you are who you said you were thank you for paying the penalty for my sin thank you for purchasing a place for me in heaven giving me eternal life that starts right now today and please Holy Spirit come come Holy Spirit and fill me to overflowing you see I need your power I can't do this by myself I can't do it on my own I've tried I've tried and failed miserably time after time come Holy Spirit empower me just now thank you for all these things in Jesus name Amen. And we come once again today to this table. We can't come here without thinking about forgiveness. Forgiveness that was given to us freely in the work that Jesus did on the cross his agonizing death you see on the night that he was betrayed he took bread and he broke the bread and said friends friends this is my body that's broken for you for you after the meal he took a cup and he poured wine in saying this cup this cup is the new covenant it's in my blood that's poured out for the forgiveness of all of your sins and he said as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup you remember my death until I come and remember it remembering his death we remember why and the why is to make forgiveness possible for you and for me without that act on that Friday there would be no hope for you and me because of that act, because of the resurrection the following Sunday, all we have to do is say, I'm sorry, forgive me, and we can return to the Father. I'd love for you to take a few minutes as the servers come to think about that prayer that we prayed. Maybe for some of you, this was the first time you prayed that. Maybe for you, 
you prayed a prayer like that sometime in the past, but the life that you've been living lately just doesn't reflect that. And you want to get serious about this thing now. Talk with him a little more before you come to his table this morning. Get things right. It's simple. One step. Just one step. Just ask him for forgiveness. That's it. Nothing complicated. This table's open for everyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ alone for their salvation. Don't care what your background is. That's the only stipulation we have. The baskets here are for your connect cards, for your tithes and offerings. The servers at each station have juice in addition to wine. If you prefer to use juice, they'll help you with that. Jesus invites you to this table. God is not mad at you. God loves you. Come to this table this morning, the table of forgiveness. He's calling each of you by name. Come.